Teaching is a tough job, but teaching during the age of COVID-19 has been a challenge unlike anything the profession has seen in recent history. Nearly all Oklahoma schools started this current school year with distance learning as the pandemic continued to spread across the state. Teachers had to embrace a new style of education by interacting with kids online. It was a tough task for an educator of any level of experience. But what about a first-year teacher? For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and on this episode of Listen Frontier, we journey with a first-year teacher through his first semester, which began with distance learning, a brief shift back to the classroom, and then a return to distance learning, which is how the semester ended. There's a lot of uncertainty, there's going to be a lot of winging it, and there's going to be a lot of challenges. John Creter graduated from the University of Central Oklahoma last May and was hired to teach social studies and geography at Capitol Hill Middle School in South Oklahoma City. Over the last several months, I spent time with John to learn about his journey as a new teacher. Every few weeks, John would tell me about the latest challenge facing him and his students. At the end of the semester, I asked John whether this experience had diminished his drive to be a teacher and what he thought about his profession moving forward. This is a story of how a first-year teacher navigated the COVID-19 pandemic. It's August, and the new school year in Oklahoma City is just four days away. John will be teaching from his classroom, and while his students will attend class from their own homes, John is still decorating his classroom with a new coat of paint and arranging desks. He feels fairly prepared, but is expecting there to be plenty of challenges along the way. When I spoke with John, he mentioned having to learn new online teaching programs and helping other teachers navigate the new technology. At this point, the district planned to be all virtual for at least the first nine weeks of the semester. Yeah, um, we're working with Canvas, getting it all set up. And uh, even though I don't know a whole lot about it, I've been kind of the guy helping a lot of other teachers out. So, like, I've been, you know, spending time with them, helping them get their pages up and in between making my lessons and getting mine up. Um, so this week's been kind of um, – it's been very hectic at our school. We've been trying to do Chromebook distribution and we're doing like this uh, curbside pickup. And so it, it's just been a lot, but yeah, we're, we're getting ready. I mean, I imagine that when you were in college, you know, studying to become a teacher next week is not necessarily how you pictured it, huh? Not one bit. <laughs> what, uh, I, I mean, when you think about next week, is it, I mean, are you, are you apprehensive? Are you nervous? Are you still excited? I mean, kind of what's going through your mind a few days out? Um, I'm nervous, uh, still excited. Uh, not as much so, but still excited. Um, I'm more focused on just being prepared and working ahead because, you know, we have to have like a written like weekly lesson plans and like the actual lesson itself and, um, you know, get stuff ready for the class with mostly English language learners. And then, 
Uh, we have this class called Core Concepts, which I think is supposed to be a leadership class of some sort. We we're supposed to be given curriculum, and I haven't heard a word on that. So um, there's a lot of uncertainty. And there's going to be a lot of winging it, and there's going to be a lot of challenges probably throughout the whole nine weeks. And that's if it doesn't extend going digitally into the second nine weeks if they're in the fourth. But I think this first one's definitely going to be rough on just about everybody. You know, I realize uh, being a college senior and a middle school student, very different experiences, but was there, was there anything that you experienced yourself as a student just a few months ago going through distance learning that you feel like might prepare you to be a teacher this time, or at least kind of, you know, gives you some kind of perspective on, on what, you know, what students might be dealing with, or do you see, has it just a completely different experience? Um, for the most part, it's completely different, but it did teach me some about expectations and the expectations weren't very high, even in Edmond where I student taught, um, we basically once everybody just made kind of these weird, like Google slide lessons and everybody in a, like a certain content department kind of just did it together. And I was like probably one of the only student teachers that even had to do this. A lot of student teachers just let off the hook, um, and I just did it because, you know, my mentor wanted a chance to keep mentoring me. Um, and what we took away from that is because Edmund basically said no new grades, only making up old grades and raising grades. No, like putting in new bad grades. So the goal is to get everybody passing. And uh, I think it's going to look a lot like that for distance learning right now because there's no reason to like, throw a bunch of work at a kid and fail them right now, like with all they're dealing with, both in terms of social unrest and the virus. I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to make them overwhelmed and trying to make them be worker bees in a time where waking up is a challenge. So I, um, I'm saying I learned to set the bar kind of low in terms of expectations. And that's not an indictment on the kids at the school district or anybody else. That's just this situation sucks for everybody. And if, when we start from that place, we can really, uh, you know, have teachable moments in this and just survive. Um, we have to just survive. We have to get through it. We have to make sure that we learn the, you know, essential topics and we discuss the current climate. But other than that, like, no, I'm not really looking at like what's the big test score and like what's you know even as much I'm not even looking I'm not as much looking into like new information as I would be if kids were in person. It's just you know getting through it is kind of the approach I'm taking. Yeah, I would imagine that. I mean, you've done some student teaching and so you've been in a classroom and uh, but even for someone who probably is you know obviously wanting to be a teacher, it's, they're probably you know, a little bit of an intimidating factor that first day when you're in front of your class and, uh, you know, now you've got the keys to a classroom all your own. Do you think that's, is that intensified when now you have to do that with a screen or do you feel like it's going to be a little easier or what's, what do you feel like classroom management is going to be like with, uh, with your class, you know, essentially through zoom? I think it's pretty diluted actually in terms of the intimidation because like what can a kid really do? do over Google Meet. Like they could do stuff, but like it's so easy just to like mute them or like kick them for if they do something severe, you know. 
um, that it, it makes classroom management almost a little too easy. And this could just be anticipation and not like reality. Um, but I think that, you know, I don't, it'll be, classes will be a lot shorter. I don't have to fill as much time. And like, uh, I feel like there's a lot of pressure taking off me in some ways because the, the expectations are different and the experience is different. But I think the focus of authenticity and relationships is accelerated. Like that's uh, the focus now. Mm. Like before it's just like you do that and then you get into the content and you kind of maintain. But now it's just a matter of like, okay, that's like, basically our job is to build these relationships because they're probably going to get a better dosage of content from like the E3 or an Epic charter school or something. While the advantage to having us and sticking with normal school through this, despite our, you know, despite how many teachers aren't going to know how to use canvas, right. Or despite all these hurdles to get to even get a Chromebook for the first time. Uh, the advantage to that is the mentorship and the conversation and the togetherness. So I think the focus has shifted towards that and I like that better. But as for teaching the content, I think the both of the, the standard and the expectation have been kind of decreased. And that's once again, that's not an indictment on anything. That's just the situation being a situation. Yeah. You know, you talk about the relationship aspect of being a teacher. And as you were ex describing that, that seemed to be something that you were saying, you know, kind of from the heart. Is that, is that one of the reasons why you became a teacher? Oh, absolutely. It's number one. Um, because, you know, I don't do history in my spare time. I don't do geography in my spare time. They're not things I really enjoy doing as hobbies. I enjoy teaching them and studying them a lot more than I would a math, science, or literature. But, you know, my, my content area isn't my craft. I know what I'm talking about and pretty well. Um, I definitely know how to research and I'm proud of that. But it's not something I really enjoy doing. What I enjoy doing is, uh, you know, getting in front of these kids and coming up with stuff for them to do and making this stuff real world. And um, it's going to be a bit more difficult to do that, but relationships are rewarding. September and a few weeks into the school year. The expected challenges have come, but John said he's getting the hang of virtual teaching, which actually has some advantages. First day was really good, um, and every day since has been pretty smooth for the most part. Uh, digital teaching, I feel like I'm thriving in a sense um, because I'm not having to learn a lot of like the classroom management that I would have in person. Uh, a lot of the kids, you know, the, the worst thing they'll usually do is like just be muted and uninvested. So it allows me to get through my lessons very quickly and very easily. Um, and the most of them are seeming to get it. Uh, the big focus in the school has been on attendance and making ki sure kids or parents have interacted with you in some fashion. And the attendance has been pretty messy. But um, other than the, the attendance being kind of a mess, like the actual teaching side of it has been good for the most part. Have you have you been able to connect though at some point with with all of your students, or do you still have some that are that you um, been able to contact? I have a few that I haven't interacted with at all. 
I have a few where I've interacted with a the parent. They told me what's in the way of them getting in class. I thought I would get resolved if I still haven't seen the kids. But for the most part, I've seen the kids like a few times to every day. I'd say I've had like 95% interact with me in some way. Uh, I've had about 90%, you know, be in class at least once. And then I'd say I have about like 70% in class every day. You know, last time we talked, you had said that your focus was really going to be on kind of building relationships. And obviously it's going to be hard to, you know, do, do the same level of, of, of teaching that you would be in person. How, how have you gone about yeah. trying to build those relationships with your students? So um, I did a day on the first day where I just get to tell them what I expect in the class. I show them a little bit about my life. I allow them to get to know me. And then um, day two, I kind of focus more on them with like their interest inventories and uh, things like that. Uh, so I ask them some basic questions about things they like. Um, and kids have been pretty willing to tell me because, um, you know, kids, uh, you know, they've been dying to share with somebody about their interests. So they've been pretty out there. Like kids want to show me their football games, their art, um, you know, what shows they like to watch and things like that. You had said that kind of the worst thing would maybe be a student that's muted and not engaged. I mean, what do you do in a situation like that when you have a, I mean, in a class you might be able to get their attention by even walking up to their desk, but what do you do online? Yeah. So uh, the, the very worst thing I've had is, you know, students use an occasionally disrespectful language or kind of being standoffish a little bit. That doesn't happen very often. I've had that with maybe like one, two kids. And, you know, I've made a message to them, like addressed it on Canvas. Um, for the kids who aren't engaged, you know, I try to send them reminders about like, you know, assessment and things like that. But in terms of like engaging them in the actual lesson, you know, I don't have time to pick on kids who decide to mute their mics and like uh, not turn on their cameras. So if they miss it, they miss it. And I'm just like, you know, the presentation I did about the topic is up on Canvas. And if you want to use that for your assessment, that's fine. Because, you know, in college, that's fine if they're not engaged. So, you know, as long as I give them the tools to pass the class and get by until they're in person, uh, that's what I'm really focused on. I'm coming to this question with a little bit of experience as a parent. I've got a son in Oklahoma City who's in third grade, and so I've had a chance to kind of observe how it's been like for him. And obviously, that's different than middle school. But one of the things that yeah. I've seen is I, when I look at the screen and you can see the other students, you know, even in a corporate environment, it can be a challenge to get everyone who's participating in a Zoom meeting to have the right lighting or be, you know, just to have a presentable look. And it seems like with, with children, that's obviously, you know, take that challenge up a couple of notches. How has that been? Just, uh, I mean, do you have students that are, you kind of feel like are talking to you in the shadows or maybe the camera's pointing the wrong way? Or do you feel like... Actually, yeah. with, with teenagers or early teenagers that they actually kind of get the hang of it pretty quick. Uh, so a lot of them get the hang of it, but I will say that when a kid chooses not to have their camera on, I do not stress about it. I know that my principal has requested that we do get on them about that, but honestly, I really don't care if they do that simply because I know that it's an equity issue, so my morals kind of get in the way with what the school wants. I haven't really gotten in trouble for that, but I know if they ever need to see a recording for whatever reason, I might get in trouble for that. Um, but I feel like I've made myself valuable in enough ways to where they won't get on me. But I feel like a kid shouldn't be forced to show their background or like where they're, they're home or like what they're wearing at home and stuff like that. I feel like that's a huge equity issue. Like if you're going to make kids wear uniforms in school because you don't want kids showing off how much money their parents do or don't have, then why would you make them show their house against their will? You know what I mean? Mm. No, that's a, I hadn't thought about that. That's a great. That's a great point. So you have some students that will just do audio only. 
Yeah, actually, most of them. Like, if they can pop in and show their face, that's nice. But I really don't enforce that because I think that it's it's more of a hassle and a waste of time than it's worth. And I don't think it's entirely morally right. So I think it hurts more than it helps to spend time focusing on that. Five weeks into the school year, and John said he's struggled to keep up with new digital programs the district continues to unveil. But he has spent most of his time focused on building relationships with his students as best he can. John and other teachers have been conducting their classes from their own classrooms while their students are at home. But recently, the district instructed teachers to teach class from their own homes as cases continue to spike among staff at the school. I think the first four were all really good. Um, they're throwing a lot of tech apps out of so when you get used to one you're given another and i think it's just stuff that we should have been better acquainted with to begin with but it's just like um you know i knew canvas and infinite campus from my student teaching so I was like, okay i'll just use those two those are my core ones and then there's like but it's imperative you use mastery connect and then i get to mastery connect and it's a disaster i don't like it um so it's like they're always throwing something new and i'm just kind of adapting as i go uh, the kids, for the most part, is pretty good. My attendance has been pretty solid. Classroom management issues are minimal. Um, so overall, it's a positive experience, and there's plenty of perks to digital teaching. Um, there's plenty of other factors that are demotivating, but there's also plenty of motivating factors. Yeah. You know, last time we spoke, you were you, you talked about how, um, you know, lots of some of your students um, didn't have the video turned on. They were just an audio and and you kind of walk me through why for you, you know, that wasn't something you were going to, to harp on them about but if that's remained the case I mean kind of how have you spent the last few weeks uh, as a teacher getting to know your students more especially at times when it's just a black screen and just yeah, yeah. you know that actually became a pretty major issue amongst the staff is the debate about that um because multiple teachers brought up how it's an equity issue it's um you know it's not productive teachers that are enforcing it are still having problems with it months in and you know I've just have the opinion that it's not an effective policy um, but so we made a compromise as a school actually to have them pop in at the beginning of class with their cameras on and then turn them back off I don't know if other schools have done that but our school um, has made that compromise because of just how many teachers uh, brought up the fact that it's not effective and it's not a battle worth picking with many kids. Um, like, but the ways I built relationships mostly is I do a lot through the chat and I did a lot of forms to gather their interest early on. So, well, you did like uh, Google Forms stories and things like that so I can know what their interests were early on. And, um, and relationship building will always come down it's like your personality and like your approachability that will all in person digital that will always shine through. And I felt like that has been the case for me. My kids, even when their cameras are on, they'll talk to me. They'll and when I ask them to put in the chat, they'll put in the chat. I understand that why they would rather have their cameras off. Some of them because they don't want to participate, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like they'd just be sitting in class pretty silent anyway in real life. But 
others it's because you know they don't want you to see their house or like they're holding a younger kid or something like that and just there's things that we don't want to show on camera and some of our teachers have even experienced like when they started teaching from home that one week they're like you know there's times where i turn my cameras off because real life's happening you know i have to turn my mic off when my dog starts barking like you know just real life stuff what was it like for you teaching at home compared to being in a school there's pluses and minuses to both um i think i prefer home I can be with the dog and he doesn't have to be unsettled. Uh, I have a very clingy old dog. That's just a personal thing. On my lunch breaks, instead of just sitting in my room after I eat, I can go for a run at the park and do a lot of the things that I would do and stuff like that. So I can just handle more tasks. I handle home tasks and school tasks. I'll say in the, the building, I felt a little bit more focused and my classes ran a little longer. Um, sometimes I have more energy. Um, in the building just because I had to make that drive and all that but being at home takes like an hour and a half off your day so you don't have to spend 50 minutes waiting to leave the building after eighth hour leaves at their class and like you know my 30 minute drive so it takes like an hour and a half off my day and um, I get more home stuff done so I definitely prefer it but being in the building has perks too uh, more socialization more community stuff like that easier to help someone if they need it because you can actually touch their computer instead of sharing screens which i know isn't recommended but it's what happened a lot of the time which is probably why they kicked us out of the building is because like when people needed help they just come to my room and i'd show them instead of screen sharing over google meet uh which has definitely contributed to being kicked out of the building which i understand District's plan to return to in-person learning after nine weeks was scrapped as cases continued to rise. But in November, the district began to transition to in-person learning with the hope of keeping school buildings open for the rest of the semester. John told me he was apprehensive about the return to in-person learning. But after a week, the district went back to distance learning because of a growth in COVID cases. In fact, John was only in the classroom for one day because he was exposed to a COVID-positive person a frustrating experience he told me about. Yeah, so what happened was is uh, they were in for one week, but I was only in for one day because I did that first day, the A day of Tuesday, and then that night I was notified of an exposure. So I told the school about it, and of course I had to go through those procedures and isolate. So I only spent one day in the classroom, and that week was really messy for a lot of reasons. Um, I know that this this week's actually one of the more dramatic weeks in terms of the journey of 2020 schools. So I'll kind of go through that a little bit. Sure. Um, so basically, they were talking about using COVID leave before I went, even though I had gotten a rapid test and it was negative, I had no symptoms. And I had to really like play the game right to get rapid tested. So I took a sick day to get rapid tested. So that was one sick day and I'd already had a sick Actually, yeah, a sick day from the summer where I thought I had symptoms, I got tested, and then I was negative. And then the summer when we didn't have kids in the building, it was good to go from there. Um, so here's another sick day I take to go get rapid tested, and I barely got 
squeezed in. If I didn't do that, I probably would have had to take another day off just to get tested. Um, but I test negative and I'm like, okay, can I come back or whatever? Not that I really wanted to be in person, but you know, I want to do my job and not waste all my sick days. And there's like, well, you can use, you have to isolate anyway, but you should use your COVID leave. And me thinking that they're going to try to stay in person and try this multiple times. I was like, well, if they're going to stay in person, me getting COVID for real is inevitable. So I'm not going to use my COVID leave until I have COVID. So I basically wasted the rest of the week's worth in sick days um, until they decided on that Friday where they're like, hey, we're going back to digital and it doesn't, and you know what I mean? Like it was just really, and then that first day, you know, I finally, you know, I was told who was going to be in my class subbing it. And I was like, cool, I know this person. Uh, I got their phone number. They're going to do a good job. We communicated all day. The day went smooth. And then the second day, I ha- it wasn't that same person because that person got exposed and had to stay home. So I didn't know who was in there that whole day. And I was just emailing people and calling people, like, who's in my class? Because I want you know get to get their number and to uh, you know talk with them and to like help them you know, help my students, maybe even pull me up on the Google meet on the smart board so I can communicate with my students. Um, and I think it took me like to like sixth hour that day. So I figured out there was actually one of the paraprofessionals who works as my sixth grade translator that had been covering my class all day. And thus the other sixth grade teachers didn't have a translator that day in their shelter classes, which is for English language learners. Uh, so I had to tell the other sixth grade teachers cause we talk a lot. I was like, Hey, you know, our paraprofessional is covering my class all day, and it took me this long to figure out who was covering my class. And 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 I don't think that's, like, any fault of, like, my school. I think it's, uh, you know, just we were all in over our heads with this, and they were probably keeping track of so many exposures and, you know, absences and the A-B schedules and the... You know what I mean? And they were trying to do staggered releases, so they had to keep track of like eight times to release people, and it it was nuts. Except for one week in November, the Oklahoma City School District was completely virtual for the entire first semester of the current school year. Winter break began in December, and John had completed a first semester as a new teacher but it was unlike anything he had imagined when he first decided to enter the profession. When I spoke with John before the start of the school year, he talked about just trying to survive the first semester and focus on building relationships with his students. When we spoke for the final time earlier this week, I asked him how successful he thought he had been at those two goals. Um, well, I actually think that in those areas, things have been awesome, and there's been times where I tried to raise the bar on myself in terms of like, why are my scores so low? Why did the benchmark go so poorly? And all this academic stuff. And then I'm like, dude, like all my kids are alive. I'm alive. That's my own. That was my only goal, right? Like was to not die and for none of my kids to die. I told my kids that when we were in person, I was like, I don't care if you make a zero on every test. Uh, the fact that you're alive is my only goal. Uh, but I'd say, and this is going to sound like a bit of a self-brag, not to be that guy, but me and one of the other younger teachers here at Capitol Hill Middle School were recognized by our school in the district for our excellence and 
I'm not sure if it's like a district-wide outstanding new teacher award or something like that, but we were um, mentioned in some sort of thing of that sort. Um, the district PD team sent out emails about it and that our principal had nominated us for it. So that was a very big honor, and it showed me that it's like, okay, my school notices what I'm doing right, whether that be in the classroom with the students where I feel like amongst those who do consistently show up, the relationships are very solid, or whether that's amongst you know my sixth grade team in the PLC or amongst my admins who I'm glad to see they notice. Um, that was a really big deal to me that the admins noticed. And... um. I, I'd say that, sorry, I'm losing my words here, but I, I would say that it was very effective. Cause like, you know, my kids and I were able to have tough conversations about things like government, economics, world religions, and stuff like that. And even though the scores didn't always reflect it, the discussions have always been pretty good. And I'd say my attendance is about 80% of most of my classes, and that's with a lot of schedule changes. Because that's another part of the story I want to go into is I think about two or three weeks ago, after the in-person stuff, there was another major hurdle, especially in sixth grade here at Capitol Hill Middle School. We have in OKC what is called E3, which when we're in-person was an option, is a separate fully online for the school year confirmed program. So. But the thing is, though, is that they don't hire separate teachers for E3. They pull from in-person teachers or just the temporarily digital teachers for E3. So we lost one of our teachers to that. So we were down a science teacher in sixth grade. So I think, but that only affected the other science teacher who had a bunch of students. And I think people from the fifth and seventh grade teams had to step in and help her. But that wasn't seen by everybody. Then two other things happened. Um, one, uh, my sixth grade geography partner teacher uh, left to pursue another, uh, the next step in her career. She didn't leave over like any controversy or anything like that. She had, uh, you know, achieved a certification in her field and took the next step. And we were all very proud of her for that. Um, but we were without a sixth grade geography teacher alongside me. Alongside that, a seventh was a seventh or eighth grade. I don't remember. One of the English teachers was also pulled for E3. So the two sixth grade English teachers now have a class of seventh graders. So that means they lose a whole class of sixth grade kids. So that means that those schedules all around sixth grade had to get moved around like two weeks ago. And that was one of the biggest challenges. And I thought, after that, it was going to go horrible because it didn't get to me to like very last. Like when they changed my schedule, and they added like 21 kids, whether it be from the other teacher's class or from my other three classes to the class with my English language learner student. Um, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. How am I going to, because I taught that class and because I'm bilingual, I taught that class bilingually. Um, how am I going to teach it now, now that I have 21 plus those seven, which is now my largest class, mm. uh, shockingly low class sizes, but um, which is now my largest class. And now I can't cater to the needs of those English language learners that have to teach it like normal. The and it's gone surprisingly well. The English language learners have been picking up English like crazy and they've been doing well. The, the translators, you know, not doing a whole lot. And it's not her fault. It's just like I have to teach the class like normal because there's 21 other kids that 
you know, would lose track if I took a second to like translate myself or explain something in Spanish and you know what I mean? So it was like, it, I thought it was going to be way worse than it was. And it actually went fine. That class is really solid. I look forward to them every day. Um, but that was among many challenges we endured. And I think having 80% attendance with schedule changes, with all the disasters, with in-person and going back, and then still be able to have these tough discussions about the content in an engaging way. Uh, and I know it's a lot of words I used in a lot of stories, but I'd say that it went really well in my class. Yeah, no, it sounds like it, definitely. I mean, obviously a very challenging semester, but one that was, you know, we expected it to be that way. And obviously, you know, come January, things aren't going to magically change. You're, you're still going to start the semester online and, and then hopefully be able to transition sometime soon. Finally, I mean, the reason I'm talking to you is because this is your first year in the profession. And I just, I thought it would be really interesting to, 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 to see what that was going to be like. I, are you, how would you describe your um, excitement for this profession one semester in? Do you feel like this is just a, a mulligan semester? You're not even going to use it to consider, you know, to evaluate your future in this profession? Does this make you even more excited about being a teacher? Does this make you think, you know, maybe this isn't the right fit for me? I mean, just what are your thoughts about uh, your profession, your craft after one semester in during this pandemic? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I have quite a bit to say about that, actually. Like, I think that, you know, my excitement, I'm going to use different words. My excitement is kind of low, but I think everybody's is, right? Nobody's excited to go to work from home or nobody's excited to work in general right now because, you know, normally at the end of a work week and go see your friends on Friday, hang out. You know, I could go down to my hometown, see my family on the holidays. I could, you know, do so much stuff outside of school to recharge me and refuel me. And now, you know, I have a good life at home. You know, my fiance, my dog, they're all fun, but like, you know, it's really just school, which is work. So work, social media, then work again. You know what I mean? And we watch TV and stuff and do a few fun things, but like, we don't get to do stuff. So our recharging, our opportunities are low and we're still working even harder, I'd say, than we were before. Um, so um, I'd say excitement is low. However, my feelings about staying in the profession, I feel really good about it. Um, I feel like I have, as a teacher, I feel like I've flourished in this environment because I have been obviously been faced with many disadvantages, whether it be loss of other teachers, whether it be the fact that, you know, I didn't have a veteran mentor. I have somebody in the seventh grade team who acts as a mentor, but I meet with him once a week. Like it's not day to day. And, you know, I can't get a whole lot of materials from him. He teaches a different grade. So like what, you know, what would you expect as a first year teacher is to go in, you're partnered up with a really veteran teacher. They give you a ton of materials and they kind of lead the way but that wasn't the case. I was fine with that. Like I accepted the fact that I was going to be a leader and I wanted to be a leader. So, and I feel like in sixth grade as a whole and in the school and just in geography, I feel like I am a leader in our school. And I feel like my admins see that. And I feel like, you know, that confirmed to me that I'm in the right place. This comes to me very naturally. I'm, you know, taking these challenges to the chin and going forward. But you know, I think all the disadvantages being overcome with not ease, but, you know, with minimal damage 
I think is a good sign for me. I think that I'm in the right place. The Oklahoma City Public Schools District plans to start the second semester in January with a continuation of virtual learning. But elementary students are slated to start in-person classes by the end of the month, with middle and high school students coming back in February. Earlier this month, state officials announced that teachers will be included in the second phase of a COVID-19 vaccine distribution plan, which they hope will allow more school districts to reopen their buildings in the coming weeks. John said he plans to get the vaccine as soon as it's offered, and he looks forward to seeing his students in person as soon as it's safe to do so. That's going to do it for this episode of Listen Frontier. You can find all other episodes by subscribing to the Listen Frontier podcast feed. Want more journalism from the frontier? Visit readfrontier.org. For the frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you soon for another episode of Listen Frontier.